With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, 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 it's Faye OJ and you're tuned into The Motion, where we get conversation going in the best way possible. From music to culture to politics to fashion, this podcast is guaranteed to get your emotions in motion. As our first season draws nearer to its close, we are loosening things up a little bit in terms of the format. And if you're well-versed on the Twitter sphere or the Insta space, you will see that the whole world is going crazy with head-to-heads. And one that really hit home for me was you. UK versus US music. And though I don't think it's a fair fight, I thought let's have this conversation on a space that doesn't limit you to 280 characters or whatever it is these days. With that same spirit of non-restrictions, today I have not one, not two, but thousand guests for you. That joke might have fell flat, but I have six guests for you. Starting with Lavi Live, you may recognize her wit from the copycat versus creative debate. She is a presenter who has worked with MTV, One Extra, BBC, West Side. Hello. Also have Tochi, who has not been here before, but she has a blog called Tochi Talks, where she talks about politics and music. Hi. We also have Danielle, freelance cultural and music writer, featured in Grazia, Gaudem, The Guardian. She just has some really unique perspectives, weaved in her degree in politics. Hey guys. And last but not least, we have the two Gs, who were present in the black capitalism debate. And they definitely did give me hypertension the last time they were here, but also a great conversation, so I had to call them for this one. They also have a podcast where they talk about all things black British music culture and a magazine called What Do You Call It? Hey everyone. Hey, it's Isaac. Only the best for the motion listeners. Without further ado, let's get into it. So on this episode, we're going to launch a lot faster into the action of the main debate. But before I do, I'm just going to get the guests rough perspectives on the topic. I just think this it's quite stupid like I don't think it's a fair fight of course if you're gonna compare Dappy to Future we're all gonna look stupid it's the context it's the context of the music okay if you hear N-dubs I don't care how old you are where you're from if you hear N-dubs that is gonna get you going more than some random Future track honestly there's no comparison in my opinion there's just not obviously the whole point of this is verses but I feel like they're kind of apples and pears they're very different scenes. I feel like some of our genres don't like translate over there and vice versa. To be fair, not really vice versa. I feel like we have more distinct genres. I don't feel like the US has done very well with garage music. I don't think they really have that scene. I don't think it even suits the general state culture. I don't think it would translate very well or even to an extent grind. But I feel like with something like drill that's on both sides, someone could argue that the US have done it better because they've had it around for longer. I think... Yeah, they're very much apples and pears. They bring different things because they are very different countries. I would agree that it's quite difficult to uh, compare leaning towards the US coming from like a hip-hop standpoint and comparing that with the scene over here. The equivalent would be grime. 
grime is a lot younger than hip hop. It's like 15 to 20 years old, whereas hip hop has been around since like the 70s. So comparing it that way, it's, it's quite difficult for the UK to even measure up in the sense that it's still a fledgling scene compared to hip hop, which is much more well established. I think the US has some advantages in terms of what Andy was saying. The scene has been around for a lot longer, like it's had a lot more time to develop. I feel like the UK is catching up in that aspect. Other thing is like the US is a lot bigger. There's a lot more options to find your lane. You can experiment more. There's probably going to be an audience for you in terms of genre or sound, etc. Whereas I think that's a bit harder in the UK. The scene's a lot smaller. So like it is more difficult in that respect to have like a wide range of sounds. But one thing I would say is that when UK music is good, I prefer it. If we're talking about the, the top tier of British music, I, I feel like it's on par with the US and better in some cases. Kano album that came out this year, I know a lot of people don't like the album, but that's probably my favourite album of the year. In terms of variety, in terms of breadth, US, but if we're talking the, the best of the best, there's an argument to be made. Building on what Lamy said, she actually made a really good point about UK music being very like culturally specific and having its own unique context. And just to build on that, if you think about things like grime, things like drill, for example, there's a massive DIY push behind them. Pirate radio culture is a massive expansion of that. Obviously, we still have it today. That's why the UK is literally, especially London, has a lot of really popular radio stations that has played a massive part in like the growth of genres like grime. DIY culture affecting drill, that's like people making their own music videos, massive platforms forms like SBTV, Link Up TV, Mixtape Madness, which Drake's obviously done freestyles on when he's come here. That whole DIY culture building up to things like BBC Radio One Extra is a part of how our music grows in itself. US isn't able to replicate that because of its like massive geographical size. So they only have very city specific scenes. So for example, New York, for example, Brooklyn, for example, Chicago. I'm so glad you came with that energy, Lamy, because that's where I am. I didn't grow up in America, obviously, but I spent a lot of my summers there and I feel like that was my entrance into hip hop. I think now that I'm older and I have like a wider view, I don't think American music is that great. Like it obviously is great, but I think our gassing of it is a huge reason why it's seen the way it is in the UK. We've given them the accolades when they don't give it to us. A lot of the times, and it's changing now, but British artists will feel the need to like go over there to make it, go over there to be respected. But they've got a lot of trash that is respected. I don't even know if we'd allow, say, a Lil Pump to get to certain levels that he's been able to get to in America. I think we're a lot less accepting of nonsense, to be honest. We had Ferdy coming fast, he got to tune. <laughs> Ferdy was purely banned. We can accept that if he made another single. No one's buying his albums. Little I might, hey, I might buy it. The thing with the Ferdies, right? Have you seen videos of Americans reacting to um, Big Shaq like that's our music? And they're actually saying, this is pretty good. Stormzy's diss track, disappointed. And the guy's like, oh my gosh. Like he's saying that he's got to go to Terminal 4 because Terminal 4 is like where the flights take off. Basically, he's trying to say that he's going to take a flight. Oh my gosh. It's this opinion that you guys are going for. It's this analysis that you want to take your music seriously. As I was saying, I feel like the fact that it's a smaller space means there's less nonsense, but it was also means there's less experimentation that's what leads to like you getting a great piece of work maybe i'm just not informed but personally i feel like a lot of stuff that comes out of the uk is good but a lot sounds very similar there was like the afro swing wave right now you have drill everything sounds a bit like drill before that there was like a grime renaissance there's less ability for people to be themselves 
And that's kind of why you see some of those artists that are a little bit more different, like a Lil Sims or something, go into the US to get their shine. That space for female rap is still very small because even artists like No Name and Rhapsody, they don't get their flowers either. I do agree with the experimental aspect, especially with Heddy One's new album. I do think that album was extremely experimental. Oh, it's horrible. If the music is good, we will accept it. But if your experiment is bad, I do think that there is less less space for that. Show us an example of a good experiment and we will probably give you your flowers, especially if you're a male rapper. I don't know about that, though. I'm not going to lie. There are examples of people, like, changing their sound or people who don't, like, fit the mould. Tiny Tamper's coming to my mind. He wasn't a typical UK rapper. In the start of his career, he did sort of home this sort of funky style, you know, Miami to Ibiza. He actually conquered Ibiza, to be honest. But I feel like the UK scene kind of rejected him. I feel like he rejected us. I think once he was embraced by the more mainstream audience, he kind of gravitated towards making that type of music compared to the type of music that got him to being successful in the first place. But the thing is, when he came back to that kind of music, it was excruciating. Why are we talking about Tiny Temper, though? He's not the best the UK has to offer. Come on now. This is why I'm saying this is not a fair fight. If we're talking about experimentation, I feel like if you look at US artists, there's a lot less. Everyone's just on lean, talking gibberish. There's not a lot going on behind the scenes. Whereas if you come to like the UK, we have our Jay Husses and our Daves and our Stormzies that are like lyrical geniuses. Okay, we have like J. Cole and Kendrick over there. But I think the reason that they are so big is because no one in the US is doing that. Everyone's just like really concerned about the beat rather than actual lyrics over there. I meant more like like an Andre 3000, yeah. I don't see that type of artist having a career in the UK. Off the top of my head, I can't think of an artist like that. Maybe a Loki, because he, he kind of touches on those kind of things. But I don't see that the UK kind of pushes any artist that is completely left field out of the box. Jay Prince, I don't think there's any other UK artist like him. I think he's quite different. And he's been able to make global links because of this. My problem with this UK versus US debate is coming out more now because we're kind of using the US as an implicit standard to measure our own artists up against. Even the way the debate is phrased is like, does the UK have an equivalent of insert X name of American artist? We're using them as a standard to measure ourselves against. And I don't think that is what necessarily achieves good music. Outside of that, experimentation is more of a matter of taste than it is an arbitrary standard. Just because an artist is experimental doesn't make them good do you know what i mean it's i guess that's part of the reason that some people don't necessarily like the heady one tape i do but i feel like both standards don't really work in producing good music in my opinion also i think a genre like grime or even just the uk like black british music i think is less focused on um bodies of work compared to um the us so we're, we're all thinking of classic albums like miseducation Hill, college dropout to Pimp a Butterfly, for example, as a genre, something like grime is less focused on making mm. the world work. And it's, it's, a, it's a highly like energetic genre where clashing culture and stuff like that, there, there might be like legendary verses or stuff like that, but it's not one where it's like mm. uh, people focus on having a legendary body of work. Because I personally wouldn't be able to listen to 15 tracks of straight grime. Sometimes I feel like music debates can be so outdated in the sense that even the examples that we're using now is like, old school grime or like lauren hill i just don't feel like that is modern up-to-date music in the sense that that's not what people are bumping in their cars right now in terms of like what's happening now and what's on the ground and like what people are actually making in their bedrooms i don't really feel like that really covers what is happening now 
do you think maybe we should be comparing the individual artists and their like lyricism for example but we don't have to compare that's the thing like they're completely different styles and genres it's actually by force like we don't have to we can just like both you can have different like styles sounds genres of music and compare which one you like to be fair i feel like it's definitely different but i don't know if you can't i think you'd have to change the criteria basically I think the fact that the UK has been able to even enter certain scenes and enter certain countries says a lot, considering majority of it happens in London. I don't even know what state is smaller than London. It still doesn't take away from the fact that they're both good in their own right. These competitions like UK or US, like one has to be slain at the end of the battle. Like they can both just survive and be happy and thrive, you know? I definitely agree. I just feel like people need to give a lot more credit to the UK. As a whole, we literally bubble the US and it's just not that great. I'm shocked I'm saying this, but I think if a lot of people actually sat down and thought about it, the fact that everybody always goes back to these J. Cole, Drake, Kendrick, like no matter what conversation you're having. And I also feel like over here, a lot of the people are just a lot more normal. Like you probably went to school with them. You probably like will see them like out and that. Like I saw Nadia Rosa Shoreditch. I was like, hey, I don't know who she is. It's less of a celebrity thing. When I've had the conversation with Americans, they really focus on the history of hip hop. These are quotes, by the way. So don't say I'm like coming to impose. People would actually like hide actual like escape routes in rap so they come over here and they think that we're just like rapping or we're just copying american sound but actually british hip-hop was actually founded based on like jamaican immigrants into the uk secondly people were literally risking their lives like climbing onto transmitters to get like british sound and like british hip-hop and all of that out. And I just feel like people sort of take it for granted. And I don't know when I became so patriotic, but give them the flowers that they're climbing on, on a radio transmitter so you can hear music. Okay, so there was struggle on both sides. So why does the person who struggled more have to be the one who, who wins at the end of the day? Well, you guys might have been doing it for segregation, but we, we, we were doing it for Windrush. Like, <laughs> I think that's true, but I would also say that a lot of great art comes from a place of pain. And so I understand why, for example, American hip hop artists might bring up the, the pain. They're largely talking about the black man's experience in America. So I understand why they would point to that oppression. But are we saying that Little Pump is rapping about oppression? No, he's not. The point I was making is that I feel like people do not give British music credit because they feel like it lacks substance. And that's not the case. Not that, like, whoever struggled the most makes the best music. Like, obviously, that's not the case. But there is a lot more history than to what people give it credit for. Like, a lot more. I think if we're going to have this discussion, I think it's, it's most useful to compare the best of each scene and the music with substance. Because if we're comparing Lil Pump over here, you have a song like Becky Keisha or Gunley catchy tune but it's not it's not really substance but what's to say gun lean wasn't about the oppression of young black youth on the streets and gun crime you know what i mean like how can you tell me what his struggle was you can't tell me as soon as we start this struggle competition it's not gonna end well music doesn't have to be about being oppressed some days you just want to go on the dance floor brock it down like you don't want to have to be thinking about your ancestors whilst i'm trying to catch a wine like it's not every day like if it has a fair point as well in the sense that when we even talk about like 
like black cultural history a lot of the time it's very like stateside focused even hip-hop for example obviously was an outpouring of resistance to white supremacy over there but when we focus on black cultural history like we never focus on the uk and the fact that our music is a massive part of that if you look at obviously time of year and whatnot if you look at carnival for example the history behind that is very significant all of these things are like very important and i feel like every single time we pander to this america first narrative of like oh my gosh it's drake oh my gosh let's twerk for drake we're just kind of doing ourselves like a bit of an injustice that's not to say that american music isn't good but i think it's also important to like stand in our own right as having our own things that are equally as good and not always feeling the need to justify and compare ourselves and what we produced to Americans. That is another point. I know you guys have tried to stray away from history, but because the makeup of the UK is a lot more diverse, there's so much more in there. And that's why I feel like you're seeing Skepta making songs with Wizkid. I would agree that the UK has definitely has more diversity just because the Black British diaspora has a closer link to the home countries. I don't know about the diversity thing, you know. But I do agree that like Black Brits are probably more in touch with their heritage because most of us our parents would have immigrated in the last 50 or so years. But yeah, we're like, what, how much percentage of the UK population? Like, if you actually look at it, it's a lot less diverse. I feel like, as I said before, the ability for us to, like, branch out has been has been difficult. Like, if this was a majority Black country, you'd probably hear way more diversity in, in Black British music than you do now. I do think like America does have a bit of an advantage there. But I don't think they use that advantage. I don't think they do unless you're like Drake, who's like doing a Punjabi song now, but like Drake will go on any song for any genre because he doesn't have a personality or a sound. He will go wherever the money goes. Like this is what I'm saying. This is why me and Drake, we're not friends. You also have someone like Mist who's drawing on his Punjabi heritage. So like people are, starting to make those moves i think in the scene geographically and politically a lot of americans do not have passports that is just a fact a lot of them haven't actually left their state so where you have this guy traveling around the world for you and bringing you different sounds it seems pretty good. I get the UK as a whole isn't that diverse, but if we talk about the black British music scene, maybe when it's done, it's not seen as that revolutionary because it's just like, okay, cool. Like I went to school with Tunde, I went to school with Bob and I went to school with Shivani. Okay, firstly on the Drake point, I disagree. Him taking sounds from like other parts of the diaspora made him like a global pop star. If you're talking about what made him big in US hip hop, it wasn't that. He was already like one of the top sellers in US hip hop. So I think you need to put some respect on Drake's name because like, (laughs) that was a disrespectful point. The Aspera point, yeah. True. But then I feel like there's only a few people who I feel like have brought that diasporic sound into the UK successfully, like J-Hus being one, Skepta being one. But there's a lot of people who just follow the trend. You're like overlooking all the people on the scene that are trying to make a difference. A Koji Radical, for example. I think he's like a genius. And he's one of the most experimental artists I've heard for a very long time. Kashmir Tears? Beautiful. But in the UK, it might not get the accolades that it deserves because we're so used to hearing a Jay Huss, for example, that when a Koji comes out singing like some old soul stuff, we might be a bit like, oh, I'm not too sure about this, you know? I feel like experimentation is just, we're not ready for it yet in the UK. But that doesn't mean that it's not here. Something I realise is that I love the UK sound, like Drill. I, I actually can listen to like a lot of songs like that, but I won't tune into the artists. You don't know what half the artists are called, I'm not going to lie. Like I could literally put on 
just a playlist and I'll like vibe to the whole playlist. But I don't really like care for the artist. That goes to the point about how we're less invested in bodies of work over here. Because if you're going to listen to a whole album from an artist, then you have to have some sort of investment in that artist. But if you're just getting single after single from the artist over here, then you're less inclined to double check who the artist is because you'll get a, another si single that you enjoy, which is the next song in the playlist. But I do think that depending on what kind of music you're into, because I personally think that Music and Home by Heady One, The One Two by Heady One, Mask Off, K Trap, these artists aren't all artists that just release singles. They actually have mm. bodies of music that depending on whether you're you're partial to those genres that are actually worth listening to. Something I just think is funny is that Americans wouldn't be having this conversation. Do you think that that's partly our fault? Because we put them on such a pedestal that they don't even think they need to check for other places. Yes. I think that's America no, no, in no. America. They wouldn't check for anywhere anyway. I mean, why would you start comparing New York and London where there's Chicago just down the road? <laughs> I don't know, four hour drive or something of which like the sounds are very different. I feel like we compare to the US because the US is the biggest thing. So what else would we compare to like Germany? Low-key, it's not slouch. German rap. You guys tell me your opinion. I don't think there really is a UK R&B scene. It's quite underground. Like, I think I think they don't get the ratings that they should get. Unless they do, like, a George Smith or an LMA and get successful in America. And suddenly everyone's like, oh, these guys are popping. They're the best. Who counts as R&B in the UK? Off the top of my head, Sinead Harnett, Cleo Soul, Joy Crook. People check for them because they've got fans, they've got fan base and stuff, but they're nowhere near the level of, I guess, like a Summer Walker or someone like that in America. I'll be honest, I find it hard to see them as UK R&B rather than people who are R&B singers that are from the UK. Like the accent they sing in? Yeah, I literally was going to say that like, Ella May literally sings in an American accent. A lot of the times, even like, I'm not a singer, but like when I sing, I sing in an American accent. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if there's like a distinct UK R&B sound or if there are just UK R&B singers. That's just me and that could yeah. be my ignorance. I think there might be... I think that if you listen to artists like Sasha Keeble, Cleo Soul, they do have a British sound. You can hear the accent when they sing, you know they're British. And I think they often have real instruments, basically. Like, they don't really have, like, a synthesizer or, like, they tend to have, like, live instruments. I think that's what differentiates the sound, personally. It's not overproduced. I think there is a UK R&B sound. I just think it's a very, very, very small pool. Would you put Georgia in there? I mean, she sings in the UK. I think she's quite poppy, personally. I feel like there's not a real distinction between R&B and, like, pop. Joy Crooks, for example, like, she doesn't always sing, like, these really big ballads. Because there's no defined definition of UK R&B, I, I don't see anyone as a UK R&B artist. I don't know, I feel like they have too much variety to just be known as R&B as well. Because, like, when you have an American R&B singer, they only do R&B, whereas, like, Georgia, she'll sing like a ballad, but then she'll also do like a the predator one. On my mind, really not R and B. Like, there's a lot more variety. Someone like Bryson Taylor, for example, he's got songs where what's it called, Wild Thoughts and stuff like that. They do songs where they're not strictly doing the ballads and the singing about their heartbreak and all that kind of stuff. So I, I wouldn't say that just because in the UK they branch out and do other types of songs, I wouldn't say that means they're no longer R and B. But I do get what you mean, though. It's quite difficult to distinguish between pop singers and like I was gonna say Tiana Major 9 when we were talking earlier like give examples. I feel like which R&B artists even in America don't have you know don't kind of dibble dabble into pop I feel like pop is like encompassing of a lot of genres so I feel like it's a bit of the game to sometimes be a bit too 
quote-unquote mainstream. Rihanna, in my opinion, is completely pop, but she will occasionally now have a song with Neo that someone would say is R&B. Mm. doesn't make her less of a pop artist because she occasionally has R&B songs. I feel like there's a reluctance to call people pop because I feel like pop music is sometimes taken less seriously. I don't really know why. When I hear pop, I feel like... Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande I feel like that's why we're quite reluctant to put people in that circle because they're very like cheesy their audiences are like 13 year olds whereas someone like Cleo Soul she has a more mature audience because she's singing about more mature things you know so putting her in the pop genre I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that but then keeping her all the way in R&B seems like a lot I feel like the need for genres is kind of like getting outdated people just make what they want to make nowadays and I think that's beautiful going back to Cody he does every single genre that he wants to like he doesn't really care Ariana Grande she sings about sex pretty much in every song I think um there's definitely a pop sound so regardless of what the artist is actually speaking about there's still a distinct pop sound so you can see why 13 year olds kind of flock to her music there's a like really broad overlap between R&B and pop but then there are times when there's a clear distinct. We're talking old school R&B. It was a very defined sound. New school, it's kind of like, it's very vague as to like, where does it begin? Where does it end? Because then again, if we're going to go into R&B and soul, Adele, Amy Winehouse, I honestly think like this is where British music actually like makes moves. The sort of music and artists we produce in like pop, R&B and soul, I think it actually just speaks. Would you say Adele is R&B? No, I'd say Adele's like soul. Yeah, I would say pop. Adele used to be a bit more soulful, now she's more pop, but no, I agree with the point. I feel like the reason we have this like US hip hop versus UK grime is because like we don't have artists that are on the same kind of level, like internationally acclaimed. Whereas if you took it like other genres of music, we've always made music that's been like at the top of the top. A statement I saw was that the world's biggest bands are British but the biggest solo artists are American. And so I sort of see areas where British music has been able to make waves. The Beatles, Elton John, Pink Floyd, Ed Sheeran, Queen. The list actually goes on. I wonder why it's different. I wonder if UK like hip-hop will ever get to that stage. The funny thing is rock and roll for example was actually started in America but British bands and British rock groups were able to conquer that group wonder what the differences could be there. As you touched upon earlier, genres have become very redundant because what would you guys actually say is UK hip-hop and how would you separate that from UK rap? There doesn't really seem to be a very clear line between some of the genres. Obviously, race will always play a part, but I feel like Ed Sheeran's quite clearly in one box, so it's easier for him to target himself. The genres that we tend to be more so in, they're a bit more fluid. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I do think it means that they're less likely to get their flowers. What made Stormzy stand out to the point where he's known on a global level now? And um, I don't really know the answer. I feel like at the start of his career, he was like very much heavily within the grime scene, but then which we see with a lot of artists, as soon as they get a bit bigger, they start to like cater for a different audience. Like a lot of people now will kind of like poo on Stormzy and be like, oh, now his music's white, it's this, it's that. On one hand, I do see what they're talking about. Some people think because he's not talking about like some of the themes that he used to, like Gang Signs and Prayer, there was a lot of gospel influence in there and stuff like that. So like he's kind of moving away from his old stuff and moving into a more... 
I'd say a more accessible sound. Some people like that, some people don't, but like still, I still haven't identified what made him be seen on a global level. There must have been something that just like stood out and he was the one. If you ask someone, can you please tell me, can you just break down what is Shut Up about? I can tell you a large majority of white people be like, I just need a chorus for you. If you listen to the lyrics, it's very much on the same levels with Kids Gangman and the same levels what he's been talking about, the same content and the same area, the same topic. But because of that repetitive, like poppy, it's not pop, but it fits into pop rules of repetition, catchy flow, and therefore it was able to translate for people who like pop. And I think from there, if Stormzy was to continue talking about what he was talking about before, people would be like, "Um, sorry, you're a millionaire now this is not what you do anymore. So you're actually speaking on the past. You don't even do that anymore. So he's moved away from it and he's still receiving critique because now they're like, oh, you've moved away, you've made yourself mainstream. There really was no winning. I think he's always spoke about things that affected him personally. He's continued to do that, but now it's different things and people think it's about accessibility when I don't think that was necessarily a conscious decision. A lot of people kind of, I think, got into Storms late. On his YouTube back in, like, 2014, he was singing on the party next door beat. He's been singing on his uh, thing before. So, like, it's not a new thing. But because he got popular off of the Wicked Skang Mans and that kind of stuff, they kind of had this image. But um, I do think with the latest album and just with the most recent songs we've had from him, other than the two diss tracks to Wiley, I think he did make a concerted effort to appeal to the mainstream more. I wouldn't say he's, he's like, completely shut his whole, like, black image or whatever you want to call it. And, like, he's not catering to the black audience at all. But... He's just kind of made it so that Fiat 500 can enjoy it a lot more. When he was coming up, I followed him on Snapchat. He literally was just like a regular geezer. I don't think he ever tried to be somebody that he was not. And then suddenly he like stopped snapping and stuff. I think he was going through depression. Gang Sign and Prayer. I just feel like that was such a really good and honest album. That's probably the most honest I've ever felt from a a UK artist, but even like a rap artist, like talking about depression, like literally the name, like gangs, size and prayer, like two things that are conflicted, putting them together. That album is sort of what like gained him, I guess, acclaim as an artist rather than just a local rapper, like making videos with his mom in the tracksuits. Also linked to that, yeah, the Snapchat was his personality. I feel like that's something that he has like always shown. It's like, it is different. I feel like he appeals to the mainstream but when I was listening to his newest album, which I personally am not the biggest fan of, but that's not the point. When I was listening to the lyrics, let the rain fall on my enemies. I'm sorry, but that is the least British thing. They are, British people are passive. A song where you're talking about, nah, let the rain fall on my enemy. No, there's no way. That's not mainstream. It's very accessible in like the use of language, for example. Like everyone understands what let the rain fall on my enemies means. Whereas like you have a J-Hus speaking in pigeon and stuff like that. So I feel like it might not appeal to such a mass scale. I feel like Stormzy is the most like digestible artist that we have on the scene. A lot of people respect him because he was like a potential Oxbridge candidate. Like he's got like good grades. He hasn't gone to jail like Jay Huss as well. Like I feel like he's got quite quite a clean image. Like yes, he does smoke weed and stuff like that. But I feel like for the general British public, like he's a very palatable man. He's a big black, dark-skinned man. There's no way. There's no way. I get what Larry's saying though, because he showed off like a very friendly image for that. I'm not saying that I think his music isn't palatable to the mainstream. Evidently it is. Maybe there was some conscious effort, but I don't think it was as blatant and as like purposeful as people make it out to be. And I feel like people tend to use Stormzy as like the palatable black rapper, but Skepta and Jamie, I don't know if you guys ever went to Culture Clash. 
there were like two black faces in the audience. Like a lot of these gram artists, they attract white people and they have been, whether their music is for white people or not. I think there's a difference between attracting white people and then having success on the charts to that extent. There's always going to be the sort of white grime heads. There's a difference between that and what Storms has done where he's having like major chart success. Like the example I was thinking of is the song with Ed Sheeran, the Own It song which I'm personally not the biggest fan of. Some people like it. I think that's a very good example of somebody making a concerted effort to make like a radio hit. But on that same note, I'm sure you guys have seen how the song of Ed Sheeran, Take It Back to London, Jay-Z wanted to be on it. And he was like, you know what? it, It doesn't run. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. So I feel like he actually is a more thoughtful artist than people give him credit for. And I feel like, not to say that there's no consciousness, he's just not thinking about it at all. But I think, me, me, I'm not a pure personally, but I feel like there are people who are ethnic minorities, black, and they're listening and they're like, yeah, this, I feel this, it sounds good to me. I think this idea that it's less palatable when it's Jay Huss because he's speaking pigeon comes from like a place of us feeling like it's not for us if it's not talking about certain things. And I don't think that's fair and I don't think it's true. Even Ed, to an extent, when he was, like, wearing that hoodie and, like, he wasn't always pop. There was, like, one rapper that he made a video with. I can't, I think it might have been Lethal Bizzle. I also might have made that up. But I feel like with, with White Brits, that sort of game over that has, like, example, Professor Green and all of that, I don't think UK rap was actually black, if you get what I mean, to start with. Like, even even N-dubs, like, Daffy and Talisa, London is a multicultural city. The white middle class, like, a lot of them are very um, grubby in the sense that, like, I don't know if you saw that uh, video of, of um, Michael Gove's daughter. Like, I wasn't surprised. I went to school with a lot of people like that. Was a lot Like, they go to Reading, they like to... They actually like it. Like, they, they actually seek for it. I think that's why saying it's palatable is interesting because mm-hmm. it's, like, an interesting point because... They've been liking him. Gang Signs and Prayer has Lily Allen on it. And that was before he could have known that he was going to be a charted success. I'm talking about from like a marketing perspective. Mm. If I was given Stormzy and Jay Huss to market, I know Stormzy's going to be a lot easier to market. Like his recent signings that he had, there were white families bringing their six-year-olds to go and hug Stormzy and get a signing of it. Do you think white families are bringing their six-year-olds to go and meet Jay Huss? That's what I mean by more palatable. Like, I'm not saying like he's not a conscious artist or anything. Like, mm. I think the music that he makes is beautiful or whatever, but I'm just saying like, for a global scale, people like simple. He said it himself. He said he's always wanted to be top billboard. He's wanted to tour the world, all this stuff. So he's almost admitted that like he, he never came into the game like thinking, all right, I'm going to be the best in the UK and that's it. He's always wanted yeah. to be a global star. So I, I think when people criticise him, it's like he always said that he was trying to be the biggest worldwide and you can't be the biggest worldwide if you're just rapping uh, Wiki Skateman in the park. Any last points? I think it should be less about UK versus US and we should just think about the amazing times that we've collaborated together. If you think about Chip and Chris Brown way back in 2010, that got the playground popping. If you think about Dave and Drake, there have been so many iconic moments and I think it should be less of against each other and seeing what we can do together. Beautiful closing point. I think what you're doing is amazing. I think uh, oh. us with, with entertainment through lockdown. Keep it going if you can. I'm not trying to put pressure on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I 
had to this lockdown thing is over. But yeah, no, well done. Cheers, man. That was thank really, you. It was very good. Thank you, guys. This episode was great. And thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week. But for now, you can follow us on at the motion underscore on Instagram and let us know what you think. Remember to stay safe and stay indoors. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.